Hello everybody, this is Trevor Lee and this is episode 64 of Running 44 at 60. So on this show we have Phil Begnett. Now Phil came on the show uh, in April, episode 49, and talked about his plans to run his first ultra marathon called Race to the King. So, how did he get on? It happened at the weekend. We're recording this on Monday, June the 21st. The event was on Saturday, June the 19th. So, let's get over to Phil and find out how he got on with Race to the King. So, welcome back, Phil. It's, uh, it was the middle of April when we last had you on the podcast, episode 49, and you were telling me about this ultra race that you were going to do called Race to the King. We're recording this on the Monday after the race over the weekend. So, how did it go? Well, I did what I, t- I did what I wanted to do, Trevor, and that was cross the finish line with my hands in the air. After that second, I looked a bit bedraggled and a lot worse for wear, but I did what <laughs> I set out to do. That's what I keep saying to myself over the last couple of days. I don't know about you, but I found myself overanalyzing all the things that I could do better as opposed to the things that I achieved on the day, which is a bit disappointing, really. But I guess that's just the last initial reaction, you know, kind of like still taking it all in, still processing it. But the bottom line is, I saw myself crossing the line, across the line. But the big headline was, there was no king there to give me my medal, which no. I was really gutted about. He'd <laughs> 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 gone, gone home for the day, bless him. I missed him by two hours. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, he was definitely there. My dad was there as a, my support crew. And he went down to the finish quite early doors to sort of suss out the area. And he said, yeah, he was definitely there and people were getting their photographs taken with him and everything. But I got I didn't get there until half past eight uh, and there he'd gone home. So unfortunately, <laughs> I got my medal, but it wasn't from the king. So uh, I said on a Facebook on a Facebook forum, quite tongue in cheek, maybe they should call it race to the cathedral instead of race to the king because there's no king there. <laughs> but there you go. I'll get so, over it. <laughs> so um, now tell us a little bit about the because um, have I got this right? That the, the, you started at Goodwood Racecourse. Yes. And then you ended up along the South Downs Way at Winchester Cathedral, around about 53 miles in total. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. It was lovely to start at Goodwood. That was a slight change right at the very end. They changed that um, at the last minute. So that threw people uh, through a few people. But yeah, very exciting start. Lots of, you know, massive, you know, imagine turning up to one of the biggest racecourses in the UK and starting off. <laughs> Uh, COVID start so everybody was literally left to go when they wanted a bit like you I think on your ultra uh, yeah went off fine had all my stuff ready and uh, yeah uh, the first half went really really well I mean we can talk about it, the whole thing if you want but yeah I you know yeah let's do I'd like because you know listeners will be really interested to know because I think was this technically your first ultra or had you slipped in something before that well, because of COVID and all the races being cancelled, I had a few cancelled races beforehand. I, you know, I was trying to build up to it a little bit. I thought, you know, maybe I should do a, a half marathon or a trail marathon here or there and stuff. Things were being put back or re- deferred. And so I had a, a local event called um, the Shires and Spires, which is quite nice in Northamptonshire. It had a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, churches en route and things like that in Northamptonshire, beautiful countryside where I live. And so oh, I'll do that as a, as a build up to give me confidence that I can get to this distance. And it was 35 miles and it was four weeks before the, the, the race to the king. So <laughs> looking back, <laughs> looking back, I shouldn't have done that because uh, I tapered for that event, which means I lost two weeks of training. 
and then I rested afterwards because it's you know 35 miles is still a long way if you've never run that far before which I hadn't and there was a lot of road sections there's a lot flat so I actually did quite a lot of running on that day um, so I think I missed three weeks of training building up to race to the king which was only four weeks after um, <laughs> and my mindset was oh you know they're just hills they'll be fine but I definitely I think I definitely struggled from that so all these people you think oh maybe I should do a build-up race I think it's more important what you did and that was the back-to-back weekends and that's what I missed out on I think running on the tired legs would have been more beneficial than doing the 35 mile race that I did four weeks before so the back-to-back training runs that you did Trevor that you mentioned after yours I think would have been a better better way of uh, building up to it for sure so that's a definitely a tip don't do a practice ultra where you've not done an ultra before <laughs> that was silly <laughs> but you know it, I didn't get damn I didn't get injured from it but I think I definitely lacked some training you know from that yeah well you know I think I think uh, certainly with me and um it sounds like with yourself Phil, as well you know we, we go into this not having done this before and yeah one thing you do come out of it is with lots of uh, lots of tips and ideas and lessons that everyone else can benefit from. So, yeah, so yeah. that's a great tip for the listeners to this podcast who are thinking about doing their first ultra. Don't do a practice ultra four weeks before. Yeah, top tip. No. <laughs> <laughs> so no. what, what time did it all kick off from Goodwood Racecourse then? Well, we went in waves. There's about seven or eight different waves of people and you were given a wave time. My wave time was 10 past seven in the morning. I think there was one before me at half past six. So I sort of turned up 20 minutes before, got dropped off by my dad, uh, who was my support crew, if you like, um, in the morning. And then they just said, actually, you can go when you want because we're just sort of letting people drip out. So I left at, left at 10 past seven. And there was a base camp where you've noticed on their website where all their little tents were, were lined up. It was an overcast day. So I get the idea that that would be great if it was a nice sunny afternoon and you could relax and put your feet up and have a beer and cheer people in. But it was a bit overcast, a bit miserable. So I think the people that might have signed up for that, uh, I think probably missed out a little bit. I thought, I think I would have been a bit bored. I don't know about you. I got there about, if I got there about two o'clock in the afternoon, I have to wait till the next day to get going again. So, uh, yeah, yeah, well, can, can, can we, if we could just uh, make sure listeners know what you're talking about there, because Sorry, yeah. that's uh, because the, this race, you can split it in two, can't you? You run it on the Saturday and the Sunday, and you run, tw- I think you run 23 miles on the Saturday, as you say, get to the base camp, stay overnight, do 30 on the Sunday. Was that is that about right? As far yeah, as you it's know? An, yeah, it's an amazing inclusive event for that. I mean, literally, you could turn up as a group of friends and walk the whole way. You could base and then stay at the base camp and, you know, open an overnight single man tent. You have to take a little blow up mattress with you and obviously a couple of like an overnight bag, if you like. So you can have your little whatever you need, chargers and stuff like that with you. So, yeah, it's very inclusive. That's what I love about it. There was so many different types of people in taking part in the morning. And then you could, you know, you could walk there and then you could you could walk the whole thing. I mean, I know people that were turning up at two or three o'clock in the morning, walking it all the way through on the Saturday. But I think, yeah, if it was a nice, lovely day and you just wanted to take your time and you've already noted in your previous pit, uh podcast Trevor how lovely their aid stations were so it was just one <laughs> long picnic really all, all day so you don't necessarily need a crew for for that sort of ultra it's a great way of that's why I picked it really it was a good introduction for me I think to do ultra running and uh, you certainly learn what you want and what you can stomach on your way around as well which is another thing that I found out <laughs> so yeah. how did the eating and drinking go because as you say on the on the website it looked like you were walking into a running nutrition shop at every aid station yeah. it, was just, it looked stacked out or was that just a picture or was that what no, it was like they were really stacked out and if and people were still moaning about that because 
and our normal normal years normal non-covid years they would do like peanut butter and jam sandwiches and slices of cake and all these sort of things that you can actually you know and slices of watermelon and stuff that like you had but because of the covid restrictions it was more about the sponsors that were sponsoring the event so you had all these perkier bars and all these other sort of uh, protein bars and but there was there was bananas on site there was loads of sweets there was loads of chocolate there was coffee uh, obviously there was toilets at every single pit stop as well um so i mean and there was obviously water but i i decided because i trained with tailwind which is like an electrolyte sort of carbohydrate drink that i would take tailwind and just top up with some uh, the occasional snack if you like uh, and that's what I did. <laughs> I, I even wrote on each sachet of Tailwind that I carried with me which checkpoint I was going to take it at because I didn't. I thought I didn't. I didn't want to think about it later on because some <laughs> had caffeine in it and some didn't. So I didn't want to eat all the caffeine ones too early or get it wrong. So yeah, that was a bit of a faff getting the Tailwind out of a sachet and pouring it into your water drink. But it, it definitely worked. I definitely did have a problem with my stomach, uh, but I don't know what that was down to. I mean, it did go away. So. You know, hindsight, once again, an amazing thing. I've read it. I look, I will, I, I, I watch so many podcasts and take on all the um, advice and all the advice is there will be a moment in the ultra marathon where you will be feeling terrible. You'll feel lousy and you'll be quite sweary and you might, might think you won't want to carry on. And that definitely happened. And I was in that space, but it, yeah, they're right. It comes, it comes back. You actually start to feel better later on. So if you stick with it, then and you feel like you can and you're not injured you know haven't gone over on your ankle or twisted or you know hurt yourself then you should crack on because you will start to feel better and i think about 100 people did dnf on the day on the day apparently didn't they where yeah. about whereabouts did you have that moment then phil how far were you in <laughs> well more than a couple a, of miles well, i assume <laughs> I, had a, I had a i had a really good idea and a really bad idea the good idea which turned out to be the same thing so the, it was, <laughs> I decided that um, my son, who's 13, wanted to run part of the course with me. He's 13 years old. And I thought, oh, that's great. But because he's 13, I thought he's not going to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and be want to be with me near the beginning. So what I'll do is I'll get him to join me later on in the event. And I thought, well, so I worked out what sort of time a teenage boy would normally get up. And I said, why don't you join me at mile 30? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. But mile 30 is quite a long way into an ultra event. You know, you just run a marathon. You're going up and down hills quite a lot. You've gone through quite a lot of aid stations. And when I got to the point where I was supposed to meet them, there was a little miscommunication on both sides of where it was going to be. And they weren't there when I got there. <laughs> and I rang them up and I said, where are you? And they said, we've gone to pit. We've gone to base camp on the pit stop three. I said, no, I've, I've already gone past pit stop three. I'm at so-and-so, that place where I said. And they were like, oh, no, sorry be there in 10 minutes so i had to sit down for 10 minutes and wait for him to arrive so that was quite difficult to deal with right at that very moment but i turned it into a positive afterwards changed my socks which is always a great thing to do isn't it change yeah. your socks sit yeah. down loads of people going past me it's like but i got over it and then he jumps out the car and he's like you know let's go and i'm like just 30 miles in and then uh, we have the biggest hill on the course called Butzer Hill. It's very, uh, very famous. I'll try and send you a picture of it. I think it's like 300 feet or something. Uh, and so I was, I moaned to him quite a lot. So that was the moment, I think. So it was the best time and the best idea, but probably the worst time I could have probably done it. But he loved it. it re he was really impressed. He, I mean, he was with me. He wasn't allowed to go into the pit stops, but he sort of sat on the outskirts of each one. There was two he was with me with. 
he did about eight and a half miles. He doesn't normally run. So oh, it was great. Fantastic. Um, you know, I got my little packet of Skittles and a, and a packet of, you know, you know, a couple, couple of bags of sweets from the pits up just to give him. But he was impressed with it. You know, it sowed a seed maybe when he's older that it's something he might want to do. And, you know, there's some lovely, stunning views up on the South Downs when you get up these hills. It's worth the effort of going up these big hills. But yeah, so that was good and bad at the same time. And that was when I was complaining the most. But the good thing is, and that's another thing that you did, Trevor, was just I had the opportunity to change my footwear because I had crew. And I overheard somebody talking at one of the pit stops that, uh, or you might need some sort of, you know, more cushioned shoes for the next section. And I thought, hmm, I've got some road shoes in my dad's car. So I'll, I took the advantage and put them on. Whether or not it was a mental thing, whether or not the, the change of the feet actually did help, but I managed then to start running again after that. When I say running, run walking, you know, run a bit, walk a bit. So overall, I averaged about 15 minutes per mile over the whole event, which actually, thinking about it, is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for the first yeah. go for a 50 miler, never got anywhere near that before. So, yeah, yeah, lessons learned, to be honest, mate. And that's, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? But I did enjoy it. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, event, really well put on. And I made sure I thanked all the, the volunteers at each aid station or pit stop that I went through for sure. Great. Well, I'm going to put a, a link to it in the show notes. And uh, I know Threshold Sports have got two or three other similar events that they run. So I'll put a, a link into those. They've got Race to the Castle, Race to the Stones, Race to the Tower and Race to the King who'd gone home early. So uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, Phil, for those listening, um, yeah. you know, what, 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 would, what would be your two or three top tips that you learn either about yourself or that you could pass on to the, to, to the listeners who are thinking of tackling something like this for the first time. Gosh. Um, you've got to be fluid uh, on the day. You can't like have a very rigid, if you're one of these people that plan things meticulously, you're going to have to be ready for things to change, I think. And so you've got to try and realize that you've got to be flexible and you've got to go with the changes like I did with my son. And at that, at that moment, you know, you've got to be able to talk to yourself and say, right, this has changed for my plan. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to change it as well. And another thing I noticed that somebody else picked up at um, a group of ladies ran together. They decided to run together as a group of friends. And one lady felt really bad about herself because she couldn't keep up with the rest of her friends. They were all different, slightly different. You know, everybody has a different build up. Everybody's got a different running um, exercise uh, levels that they've got stamina levels or whatever. And she felt really awful that they kept having to wait for her. Um, so if you're going to do one of these things first time, it might feel a, like a good idea to do it as a group. But if you're not walking it and you're running it, that's not a good thing. It's you versus the, the finish line. So, yes, there's plenty of people on the, on the course that you will run, uh, sorry, that you can talk with and keep you company and chat with and motivate you and stuff like that. But never put yourself under the pressure of trying to keep up with other runners because that can lead into all sorts of problems. Yeah. I know we do it sort of naturally a little bit. You know, there's always somebody in front of us. And, you know, I've heard you do it on some of your training runs and some of the events that you've done. But it's not a good thing to try and keep up with them. Uh, is it i don't think so that's another that's another very very good tip yeah absolutely and uh, the other thing is um the last thing is which i i don't agree maybe i don't know but i think you can sit down and take it easy for a couple of minutes at each pit stop if you want to don't feel that you have to keep going and keep going and keep going and you know if you need five minutes to have a coffee or to sort yourself out 
and it's your first ultra and you've never gone that far before give yourself a break and and, and do that because it will help you mentally as well as a fit as well as a physically and to be honest anybody could do this if they put the training in anybody that could dedicate themselves to do the training to get up to these these mileage and 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 be happy to take their time and have a bit of support like you did and like I did uh, you're going to do it and you're going to make and it's and it's very emotional it's very emotionally uh, draining it's an amazing feeling when you cross that line you've been building up to it for a long time and it's a great feeling of achievement and it's thoroughly worth it I recommend it to anybody absolutely and I agree with that bit about sitting down I I remember yeah. Uh, January 2020, I was part of the support team at Penzance for an event down here in Cornwall called the Arc of Attrition, which yeah, is great a event. there's a 50 mile and a 100 mile version. Looks, and, looks and I remember scary. The, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of in January, so most of it's in the dark yeah. on the on the similar path, you know, the similar course that I run the the classic quarter yeah. on. And I remember uh, the guy who was the favourite, I suppose, and ultimately did win it. And he came into the Penzance aid station about I don't know seven eight o'clock at night. And um, he just sat down. He just sat down and he and he took his time and he had some food. And the guy who was second in second place came in, yep. snatched a bit of food and ran straight out again as though, oh, I'm in the lead now, you know, like in the Grand Prix, you don't have to cut him in the pits almost. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking but, about. I watched the video on YouTube and you're exactly right. He yeah, sat down, yeah. didn't he? But Drunk they, his soup. And I can't remember yeah. the, the guy's name without off the top of my head now. But yeah. I do remember him sitting there very calmly taking his time. And then when he was ready to go, he went out and he, and, and apparently he did that at another aid station, 20 miles from the end. And he still, you know, the other guy came in, went ahead of him, but he still won the race. So yeah. it's like you say, I think, and I think also in training, you mentioned it there, as I noticed in my training, especially in the last few weeks that, you know, um, if people said, Oh, do you want to come for a run? And I was saying, well, no, not really, because you're going to go too fast for me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. training at quite a slow pace now and things like that. So, so yeah, no, great. And um, Phil, when you came on the podcast in April, you talked about the bus driver. You know that mm -hmm. that that mental image. So did the bus driver pop along at all during the during the race? Yeah, um, it's weird, and you gain so much more from you know experience. And I was obviously you know I'm, I'm, I do pride myself in my positive mindset, absolutely, as you know. And you know I did bash on about all that sort of stuff, but I think I think you really do find out more about yourself when you're actually doing it. And so I'd had these mantras going in and what I was going to say to myself. But actually, the <laughs> mantra that I stuck with was run when you can and walk when you can and walk if you have to and stick to that. You know, I had all these things, you know, like, you know, so what and don't give up and posture and all that sort of stuff. But when it starts to physically and mentally get tiring, it's the it's the what I'm trying to say, here, Trevor, is it's the physical side of going that far that, that I underestimated. The mental side was fine. And, you know, to keep yourself upbeat and perky just chat to everybody be fun you know thank everybody and all that sort of stuff so he didn't really make an appearance but i'd probably underestimated the physical changes that it does to you as the day goes on and that obviously can affect your mind a little bit yeah so, yeah he and didn't. how are you how are you feeling a couple of days later are you still kind of buzzing or have you have you have you you know have you have you slept really well or uh what, what's the situation <laughs> uh i've got my ankles are hurting i have my ankle up my left ankles swelled up quite a lot for some reason and i've uh, but my good wife she's helped me with her you know uh put my feet up and looking after me a little bit um puts like a hot cold press on it or whatever so that's sort of helping um yeah i'm st i'm still sort of thinking about the uh the good things and the bad things i took a camera with me a 360 video camera which i had to carry 
all the way because I didn't have any room in my backpack. Well, that's another last quick tip, Trevor. If you're going over 50 kilometers, have a decent size, decent size backpack so you can carry a couple more things. I didn't have enough room in my little backpack okay. that I had. Okay. Uh, and I had to carry this little camera. And so I'm hoping I can put together a, some sort of video of the event and I'll put it onto YouTube and I'll send ah, you a link great. when it's done. But it, it did run out of battery at 40, meters, 40 miles. And that's another thing I thought, why, why I thought that was going to last all day on one battery, I don't know. So that's another <laughs> thing that I learned. Take, take a spare battery <laughs> for your camera. Well, I was uh, when I did the uh, 44 mile uh, event, my phone ran out of battery with yeah. about eight miles to go. And I had been you know, recording snippets for the podcast. And I had got a phone charger with my crew, but I, I, you know, it was just too much of a faff around at that stage, you know, yeah. so, uh, yeah. so, uh, okay. So are you, th are you thinking about doing this again at some point doing another one? Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing next, which might surprise you. And that is, I have decided that I'm going to start to try and transition over to barefoot running shoes Okay. Uh, because of my ankles, because of my weak ankles, I've, I've experienced this a little bit before. And because I want to continue trail running um, for as long as I possibly can, you know, into my 50s, 60s, 70s and onwards, I think the best place to start, I've read somewhere or watched a video somewhere that actually your core starts on your feet. And so a lot of people don't think about their feet as being an important part of the whole process. And if you can look after your feet and have good, strong feet and good, strong ankles, that is really going to help you become a better, more efficient runner and allow you to run for a lot longer. So I'm going to give it a go of transitioning over to barefoot shoes. I've got a pair of Vivo barefoot uh, running shoes, and I'm going to I'm going to also track that via video as well on uh, on a YouTube channel. That I've just started up. So am I going to do a long event again? Probably but not for a while while I'm doing this transition because you've got to go, you've got to go way, way, way down. You're literally going to have to run 50, 50, 60 meters on your first run and build up very, very slowly because obviously it's a completely different way of running mm. uh, than you normally do. And I'm going to just track it and see how long it takes. It could take six months. It could take a year, but maybe in the future, try and do a, a half marathon trail run marathon on, on one of them or realize it's not for me and it doesn't work, but that's what I'm doing next. I'm going to try and transition to barefoot running shoes. So uh, wish me luck on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll uh, we'll make contact in a few months' time and see how you're getting on. And you may we may well get you back on the podcast to talk about that transition and uh, and check in and see how how you're doing on that. Of but course, uh, yeah. Thanks very much for uh, coming back on the show and telling us all about your adventure to race race the king. So uh, and yeah, sounds as though you had a nice day out anyway. I had a lovely day out. It was fantastic. Yeah. Lovely people, lovely people, lovely runners. And the whole event was, it was fantastic. So yeah, it was great. And thanks for asking me to come back on mate. No, it's great. And thanks for sharing your tips with our listeners and uh, yeah. And I'll put all the, uh, all the links in the show notes to the event and the other events that they do. So Phil, good luck with, uh, with the transition and, and thanks very much for sharing all of your time with us again today. My pleasure. Mate. Take care for now. So if that's encouraged you to think you'd like to take part in Race to the King, then uh, I've put the link in the show notes. It's organised by an a company called Threshold Sports. And uh, the races that uh, they also do are called Race to the Castle, which is up in Northumbria. And that's 100 kilometres along St Oswald's Way. And it starts at a place called Kirk Hall. Kirk Hall? It goes to Bamborough Castle. Kirk Hall, if I've pronounced that correctly is actually the birthplace of Lancelot Capability Brown, probably the most famous gardener of his time. 
There's also one they run in July, another 100k. This is called Race to the Stones, which is along the North Wessex Downs. And then Race to the Tower, which is next due to be run in June 2022. And that's Whites Hill to Broadway Tower. Uh, I think that's Broadway Tower. And, and that's the Cotswold Way. So there we go. So if you are interested in running any of those, um, then uh, check out the uh, link in the show notes. So if you've got something that you want to share about running, it doesn't have to be ultra running. You know, you could come on and talk about running a park run or, you know, 5K, whatever it is. If you've got tips and ideas that you want to share on the show, then do get in touch. Uh, send me an email to podcast at trevorleemedia.co.uk or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever else you might find me. And uh, yeah, let's do a recording. All the recordings are done over Zoom, so it's very easy to do. And as you know, they're about 20 minutes per show. But I want to keep the podcast going. Um, You know, running 44 at 60 has now happened. It's all finished and all that sort of stuff. But nevertheless, it'd be good to keep the whole thing going. Uh, So yeah, please come on the show. Let me know what you'd like to come and talk about. And that would be fantastic. And in the meantime, if I get thoughts and ideas of running things or running tips and ideas I want to share with you I will do that as well so thanks to Phil again for being on the show and uh, thank you for listening oh and don't forget if you do listen and you do like it and you can work out how to leave a review (laughs) that would be fantastic all right thanks for listening see you next time